When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right. Wow. Uh, we are here on the Wolverine post game show here on Wolverine.com's YouTube channel. It'll be in the podcast feed after the fact. Anthony Broom here with Ryan Van Bergen. Michigan survives, keeps their undefeated season intact with a 1917 win over Illinois. Uh, a lot to talk about with that. Uh, before we get into it, uh, let me just say this. I drank way too much coffee for that anxious of a football game today. So I am, I'm feeling it here. Uh, I mean, we'll get into all of it. There's a lot to go through, but at the end of the day, a win is a win is a win. You survive, you stay alive. Uh, this show, as always, is brought to you by Lewis Jewelers, proud partner of the Wolverine, proud partner of Michigan Athletics. Keith and the team have been phenomenal in their support of us throughout the season, uh, and they are where Ann Arbor gets engaged. So uh, shout out to Lewis Jewelers. Shout out to Jake Moody. Shout out to uh, everyone's Apple Watches and Fitbits and heart rate monitors. Listen, there is there's a lot to talk about. We'll dive into the minutia of what the box score looks like. We'll get an update on Blake Corum here somewhat soon. Uh, as we do this podcast, uh, Michigan players are at the podium. Uh, Jim Harbaugh will speak shortly. Again, uh, if it's any, I'll say this ahead of the time, ahead of time. If it's anything serious, it will be confirmed right off the bat. And if it's not serious, Jim Harbaugh will say, we'll see. And that's all we'll, That'll be it until next week. But let's start with big picture. Take a step back. And I tweeted this out, Ryan, and this is where I want to start today. And again, also get your questions in. Feel free to use the donate button below to get yourself to the front of the line. And I'm going to say this too. Uh, we're not doing 45 minutes on the passing game again, because last Saturday's show was just too much of that. Uh, and, and weirdly, we, I think personally for me, weirdly I wind up being more critical of a team for their performance last week than I do in a game like this. And we'll talk about that, but this is what I tweeted out. I said, this was going into the fourth quarter, maybe even before that. And, and pardon my French here. If you have children listening, I promise I've just promised one swear word throughout this broadcast. Uh, I said, everyone finds themselves in a quote unquote, Oh shit game. At least once in a season champions do Michigan did last year, a game against Rutgers games, uh, against Penn State and at Nebraska, Michigan hadn't had a gut check win yet. And the great ones find a way to go out there, make enough plays, get it done. You were thrown off schedule. The The entire identity of your offense, the entire identity of your football team kind of gets lost uh, at the end of that first half with Blake Corum going down. Once that happens, you just have to gut it out and find a way. And damn it, Ryan, that was... I won't say as impressive a response as we've seen this as we've seen this year, but they haven't been in a football game like this and they did enough to get out of there against. I mean, I know Illinois seven and four, they've lost three in a row. Now that's a very good and very well coached football team. Uh, that's a good win for Michigan. I'd say a great win for Michigan. I agree. It's tough to put this into perspective quickly, but for Michigan to come back, and for J.J. McCarthy to put the team on his shoulders with Gash and, you know, our fifth string running back out there with not his favorite target at tight end, our third string tight end, our freshman tight end, um, all offensive lines all banged up. And for us to come out and find a win uh, with those conditions, I thought was really impressive. This it, it didn't wow you. It wasn't sexy at all when it comes to how they won this football game. But. To lose a guy like Blake Corum, who is your heart and soul of your team, Donovan Edwards is down, and you still know you have to run the football with a banged-up offensive line and make the plays when it mattered. Fourth down conversions, huge fourth down conversions. Uh, I'm super impressed with the way the team battled. Uh, it's not an impressive win, but the way that it happened and the way it played out and the way the guys battled to get into position to win this game shows me a lot about this team and a lot about the young soul of this team because, again, I think we're, what, nine not starters that, that – or guys that starters that are out and some backups. 
uh, finding a way and willing yourself to a win. It's a big win. There's plenty to pick apart of things that we didn't do well. But at the end of the day, we got the W, and that's a situation where a less mature team and a less depth, uh, a, a shallower team, they don't get that win. So uh, big tip of the hat to the guys who played today. Yeah, and we'll start things off with Shane Johnson here with a 499 Super Chat who says, resilient. It's hard to go 11-0. This is the first time they've ever done that under Jim Harbaugh. Another milestone today. On to Ohio State. Thank God for the nation's best defense. What's with the secret injuries to Edwards and Scooney and walk-on running back playing in the fourth? Um, I'll start with your question about the injuries. Um, I think if there was any doubt that a guy might be just a bit too banged up to go, because this is a long game, um, and I don't want to say you're hunting on this game, you know, you, you take a loss to get guys healthy. Like, that's not the case. But what we did see last year is that, you know, you lose a game against Michigan. As long as you beat Ohio State and win the Big Ten, you're getting into the playoff. And we can debate that strategy all they want. But uh, obviously now they're going to need Donovan Edwards next week. They're going to need Luke Schoonmaker next week. Uh, we'll see what happens with Blake Horm if he, and, and if he's on the field next week. But next week is all hands on deck. So I have no issue with keeping guys out that are kind of on the borderline. Uh, I, Trevor Keegan did not dress, did not play today. Trent A. Jones was dressed, but uh, was warming up with the twos in the pregame. If there's any, again, you can debate it either way. The fact of the matter is, is that now, hindsight being 2020, you're going to need both of those guys next week. And now the fact that you got out of here with a win without them being on the field, I think is a huge positive for them. And as far as the walk-on running back, Isaiah Gash, um, <laughs> I, I had tweeted at one point that there is, uh, you don't want to put the game in the hands of a walk-on running back, you know, with the game on the line. And then a couple plays later, he picks up that, I think it was a fourth down conversion, whatever it was, a short pass out to the uh, out to the side, and, hey, you redeem yourself. So shout out to him. I think part of it is that, you know, C.J. Stokes, I mean, again, I know he's played very well uh, when he's gotten some run in there, but it is still a true freshman in a game where, you know, sphincters are as tight as they could possibly be. You want a guy, you want some guys out there that have been through it a bit. So I, I think that's probably the rationale for that. Um, so, yeah, that's... Again, uh, as Adam Shepherdson says, at least Gash made up for that drop pass. That was good to see. Absolutely. Uh, you know, you just have to – it's all about coming back and making the next play. Uh, I was just listening to J.J. McCarthy before we got on the air here, and he was talking about how when Andrell Anthony dropped that ball that should have been a touchdown, they thought it was a free play, whatever. It wasn't. He dropped a touchdown pass. J.J. – and this, I think this is the mentality of this coaching staff in general in that, you know, they were even more confident to go back to him if they had to because – they know that that guy will be ready the next time. And we can debate the merits of that all day. But the fact of the matter is guys have to stay ready. Uh, you miss opportunities to make plays in games. And sometimes that stuff happens. So uh, Dave Mays with a $5 super chat says, do you think Illinois played above their heads today? They didn't look like a four loss team to me. Uh, I think that Illinois played. I mean, they, they hung in there. Michigan kind of punched them in the mouth to start the game. That is, I think this Illinois team is what, a team like Iowa should be. And they're, they're playing like Wisconsin wish it was playing right now. This is a well-coached team. They don't beat themselves. They play physically uh, in a lot of ways. I think that this was maybe not stylistically what you want to see before the Ohio state game, but in terms of mental wherewithal and physicality and you know having to bring it snap to snap. I think this was a, a tremendous, tremendous test for this Michigan team. I, I think that, I think that Illinois is a good team. It, it's it's a shame they won't play for a Big Ten West title. They have themselves to blame for that. Lost the game to Michigan State. Lost the game to Purdue. But lost to Indiana earlier this year. But that's a that's a damn good football team. Very well coached. Very steady. I think they are a really good team. I think that their issue more than likely is that they've played down to their competition. And I don't know if they played above their heads necessarily. I think this is the top. This is as good as they play. Uh, and this is where they should have been throughout the year, but it's not consistent for them. It's, it's, you know, Billima's getting his culture built at Illinois, and this is going to be a competitive Illinois team moving forward. I think Billima's going to have them 
competing uh not just this year but in years future and they've got some players you know their running back is the only guy i think that has more rushing yards than blake quorum or one of the only guys that has more rushing yards than blake blake quorum and he looks special today uh he definitely looks special and i thought you know their defense is probably outside of michigan's defense one of the best defenses in the country i think they're number one rated against the pass that's something that i think we need to definitely tip the hat to considering you have no running backs you're, you're down to your fourth and fifth walk-on running backs, and you're in a 20-degree game with 30-mile-an-hour winds, and you go, hey, JJ, you got no tools in the backfield, but we need you to produce some points. And like I said, wasn't sexy, wasn't downfield, but he was able to make the plays that were necessary. And uh, we, we said we we're not going to talk about the pass game, but I have to say I thought there were some times where JJ's given his guys great opportunities and we're just not taking advantage of them. Um, there's definitely sometimes a shout out to, uh, Loveland. I thought he really stepped up in he's our third string tight end freshman tight end, but there's some times that he was open that we missed him and he dropped the ball. There was some times that get that gash had a drop and Ronnie Bell, I think had a couple bobbles through the middle there. Like Andre Anthony makes that catch for JJ McCarthy to orchestrate a game winning drive and have to pass against the number one passing defense in the country is special. And that's something that's definitely notable about the game. I want to make one thing clear too, is that we're not, not going to talk about the pass game, especially because we just have a super chat that revolves around it, but that's, I think we're going to put that topic where it goes here. And then we're not going to spend a half hour on it, uh, but we will talk about it here. Cause Jeremy $10 super chat says, uh, thank you, Jeremy. Shout out to you for that. He says, my biggest issues are one. You only throw the ball 35% of the time uh, through 10 weeks and are surprised that you struggle. Two, you ran on first down 86% of the time. And three, Blake Blake is out. You trust your third and fourth running backs over JJ. I think all of those criticisms are valid. Um, and I think we even talked about this last week is that, you know, I have less of an issue about the lack of reps with the passing game. Like you build your repetition Monday through Thursday or, you know, Monday through Friday in practice and in the, in the building uh, as opposed to, Know, what you do in the games. But at the same time, you know, I think all that we've ever been asking of them is that we need you to hit on the opportunities that you are getting to make plays in game. Uh, JJ McCarthy, let me pull up his numbers here. 18 to 34, 208 yards. Again, didn't turn over the football. Uh, I think that everyone kind of has to wear the struggles for what they've had there. I mean, at times it's been like, he's missing, you know, he missed a wide open touchdown to Colston Loveland. Uh, he overthrew Colston Loveland on the, the next play down there in the red zone uh, when they had to settle for that field goal to make it uh, 16 to, you know, whatever, whatever it was. Math is hard. Uh, when they settled for that last field goal uh, before the game winner, you know, those are opportunities. That's what we're talking about when we say leaving meat on the bone. It has less to do like J.J., that throw to Andre Anthony that was dropped for a touchdown, maybe one of the better throws he's made all season. Guy has to make a play. Uh Ronnie Bell, Cornelius Johnson, senior day, needs you guys to make plays. And, you know, it's when we diagnose who to put the blame on for that, it is the play callers have to wear that. I think that they haven't done a good enough job getting JJ into rhythm at times. Playmakers need to make a play. The protection can be better at times. Um, and I also think that there are times where just JJ just needs to, to slow himself down a little bit. Um, and when it comes to the coaching staff, I'll go back and watch this game, but it's it's one of those things where Jim Harbaugh has talked about a lot of times of not overcoaching J.J. McCarthy, but I feel like he's he's a bit of a – what we're seeing now is a bit of a symptom of overcoaching. Uh, he's at his best when you're rolling him out and, and letting him see the whole field and you know getting the quick stuff. We haven't seen a bubble screen, and you know, they actually threw a few screens today. Blake Corum should have had a, another touchdown uh, on that 41-yard reception, but – you know, when we diagnose what's wrong with it, I'm not going to sit here and act like it's not a concern going into next week, but uh, there's there's just no one person you put it on. I think it's just the operation. And listen, I'm going to say it right now, like if there's any merit to the idea that there is a bag of tricks being held back for next week, you better have the best week of practice you've had all year, and you damn well better sure hit on those plays when they present themselves next weekend, or else it just all kind of rings as hollow to me. Absolutely. Uh, if we take such few shots downfield that our conversion percentage should be higher than what it is currently because it's out of character and supposed to be surprising when we have these downfield shots and we're not connecting on them and the conversion percentage needs to be higher to beat a team like Ohio State. 
and uh, that, I was shouting the whole game, someone make a play, someone make a play because realistically, isn't it not disheartening to that on fourth down, our scheme is to go to gash on fourth down. We don't have a receiver that we like more than gash that, to, to, to try and free up. That's, that's disheartening to me that, that we don't have a guy that we know will make a play in a critical moment at the receiver position. And I don't think that's on McCarthy. I think that's on the receiver position, not getting separation. We've talked about uh, some of the different struggles that they've had, but there's just no one out there that has made that big play that we can feel good about on in a critical moment to, to convert for us in the passing game. And that's if we feel that as fans, even though he's not talking about it, McCarthy has to feel that same way. And it's just something that I don't know where the moxie comes from, but someone in that receiving room has got to seize an opportunity to become the target uh, on critical plays. I don't know who it is. Uh, I haven't seen, we've seen flashes from everybody, but in the year 2022, that wide receiver room is wide open to be primary target. And at week 11, we still don't have one. Absolutely. And I think that convert, like, I'm sure there'll be another question that comes in somewhere down the line, but I think that's a good place to kind of put a pin in that for now. Uh, we do have a Blake Corum update. Uh, Jim Harbaugh is at the podium now. He says confirmed that Blake Corum was cleared to go back in the game. Uh, he was one of the first guys out of the tunnel uh, coming out of the locker room. He was right. He went right to the stationary bike. He did get a, a carry. I think it was on the second drive or the second play of that first offensive drive of the second half. Uh, Harbaugh says structurally good, which is good news. And they'll see how he feels tomorrow. So, I think that's probably about as thorough an update as we'll get on it. Uh, I know that I know for a fact when we ask about it Monday, Jim Harbaugh will say it's not his job to predict the future or anything like that. I, they'll keep that guarded like the nuclear launch codes this week, I would think. But other than that, I think given what that looked like, it looked uh, I'd have to go back and watch, but it seemed like he hurt himself on the plant uh, as he was kind of going out of bounds. It, it didn't look good, but you know, you see that guy jogging out of the tunnel at halftime, and that was. Um, that's a pretty big moment, uh, I think, at least mentally for their teammates to see him still suited up, still have him on the sideline. Um, that was a good response from them, I think. The thing that I noticed was he was coming down off of almost like a hurdle single leg. And when he stuck his foot in the ground, defender hit him above the knee and hyperextension going back the way your knee is not supposed to bend. And it's a rudimentary thing, but side to side is much worse than forward back. So the fact that he had hyperextension and was able to stay suited up and all that other stuff, it's a matter of how is he going to feel, but physically he'll be capable of playing. Yeah. So I would think if there's whatever the treatment plan is, I mean, it will be, it will be executed at the high. I would assume that'll be executed at the highest possible level this week. Cause they're, I mean, that's, that's the hard, you know, that's the thing too, is that that guy is really throughout the year has been the heart and soul of your football team. And that was the big question for me is that, you know, we've said at some point you are going to be thrown off schedule. What is that going to look like? And what we learned today is that it doesn't look pretty, but this team just has that has a grit about it. They hadn't found themselves in a game like this this year. So I want to flip over to the defense now. Mike Morris didn't play today. It didn't seem like they were getting as much pressure. Uh, your guy, Mason Graham, continues just that that upward climb. He's actually added a swim move to his repertoire, which is pretty exciting to see. But what did you make of their defensive performance today? They got run on a little bit, but I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that Chase Brown is just a, a phenomenal player. They did a really good job. They, being Illinois and their coaching staff, did a really good job schematically of trying to get some – good open lanes for their running back by doing a good job with jet motion, swing passes, tunnel screens, uh, things that really challenged you in space and that you had to make good secure tackles. And for the most part, I thought we did a really good job standing up to it. I thought DeVito played uh, tremendously at the quarterback position, made a lot of good plays, a lot of good decisions, found that the right holes in the defense, especially during rushes, where he just slipped out and was a little more mobile than I was thinking that he was coming into this game. Uh, I was a little disappointed with our lack of pressure up front. I thought that this was one of the first games that, you know, we have what, one QB hurry, zero sacks, a half tackle for loss. That's not typical of this Michigan defense. We Earlier this year, we had races to the quarterback. I think we had a seven-sack game. Now, granted, that wasn't against uh, an Illinois team, which I think is probably a top 25 team when all is said and done. But the uh, the lack of pressure is concerning because we're not really missing anybody 
on that side besides Mike Morris. And uh, I was waiting for Oki to get loose. Uh, I was waiting for DJ Moore had some more opportunities, was waiting to see him get to the quarterback. But the other thing that I thought was interesting was that you didn't really see the amount of games and twists that you normally see on the defensive line. Maybe that's because we're more expecting the run, so we had to stay more straight rush. But regardless, the lack of pressure made things a little nerve-wracking, but overall, really solid outing on on defense. And I thought our receivers did a really good, or our uh, D backs did a really good job on the receivers. They gave up some short ones, they gave up some hitches, they gave up some outs at the sticks, but there was some really tight coverage. And then when they finally went to the double move in the second half on a couple of those plays that they had been setting up, we were in good coverage and we were in stride. And as we're approaching the game, we're going to need tight coverage and pressure, hopefully, but tight coverage against some of the best receivers. So I thought that this was a good opportunity for the secondary to, to step up and, and help our defense out. And they did. How much of the lack of pressure, at least in terms of today's game, would you attribute to, I mean, both Michigan and Illinois are teams that I think are two of the semifinalists. I think there's nine of them that are semifinalists for the, uh, the Joe Moore award, the, the best offensive line in college football. Do you think, is it a bit of column A, bit of column B, or do you feel like that the Illinois offensive line just, you know, played its rear end off? I think they played well, but they also weren't put and exposed too often. A lot of the times the pass plays that you're seeing from Illinois are at the line of scrimmage or seven yard outs. These are things that are happening fast. If you had a stopwatch and timed, how long was the offensive line and pass protection? The ball's out in two seconds. And realistically, unless you have an immediate win on the pass rush, you don't get to the quarterback in two seconds. So uh, I thought it was a good job. Again, if I thought Illinois' offensive coordinator – had the best package that they possibly could have to get balls to their athletes in places that they like. And they got as much as they're ever going to get against a good Michigan defense. And it just 17 points wasn't enough to win today's game, but it was darn close. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And I will say this queue is wide open right now. If anyone has questions about what they saw, we can even, I mean, we could even start looking ahead to next week's game because Ryan and I won't have a a chance to speak before that game goes final, uh, at least how the schedule breaks it down now. So feel free to get those in there. Uh, shout out to everyone who's been here so far. Again, uh, for those of you who might just be hopping on, um, Blake Horm injury update, everything looks quote-unquote structurally good. Uh, it's just going to be a matter of, of how he feels come tomorrow and come this week. So again, uh, anyone who is able-bodied and ready to go, I think is, I mean, Mike Morris was in uniform, but didn't play today. Uh, I don't know. Again, this is on me for not looking closely enough. I'm not sure. Did Macari page play today? I don't think he did. I think all of those guys who were kind of on the borderline, some of them dressed, some of them didn't, but anyone who physically is able to play through any of the bumps and bruises that they have, I think will be on the field for next week's game. So I know we've had a lot of questions in the chat about injuries and, and all those types of things. So, that's where things stand right now. I think outside of quorum, I don't know that anyone else was super, was super nicked up in this game. Uh, Paige did play according to the chat. So that's on me. Uh, bad, bad time for me, I guess. Uh, C deal five wants to know, why haven't we seen more of Braden McGregor? Uh, Ryan, you want to take this one? Yeah, I think it's cause he hasn't produced the opportunities that he's been getting. Uh, I think he's got one sack so far on the year and he's got a lot of the things that you look for. Obviously he's got the off, off the bus factor. He's six foot six, 270 pounds, moves really well, but you don't see him working half a man all that often when he is getting his few, few opportunities. And I think he was going to get more opportunities this week. And then he got banged up too. Uh, he kind of limped off the field third quarter, I believe. And he's someone that I thought would make more of an impact. And I still think, will make more of an impact, but he's just got to learn how to work half a man and and win in those immediate situations. That's one thing Mike Morris does really well that we missed tremendously today is in those quicker, quicker passing games. There's times Mike Morris just gets a complete whiff and it's amazing because he's 290 pounds, but for whatever reason, he, he's just got a knack for it's like Brandon Graham always had a knack for just getting guys to miss. And uh, I think McGregor is biding his time. He'd be probably playing a lot more if we didn't get the transfer. Uh, but, um, you know, I thought I was waiting for him to make a play today too. And it just wasn't there. And again, credit to DeVito. I think DeVito probably played, I haven't watched a lot of Illinois, but just the way he orchestrated their, their offense and moved them up and down the field outside of the first quarter, uh, he was a very solid quarterback and very comparable to the five-star JJ McCarthy, as far as what their performances were. 
I think that's maybe what the biggest quote unquote annoyance would be for me is that the things that we were sawing or that we were sawing that we were seeing, <laughs> God, it's been such a long day, too much coffee. Um, the things that we were seeing Illinois draw, you know, in their passing game, it's the quick stuff out to the sidelining and getting your guys, the ball in space at the, you know, um, you know, at the numbers and letting them make plays and hitting on some of that quick stuff. That's stuff that should be, I've seen a couple questions about how do we, you know, how, how does Michigan fix this, fix the passing game? I don't know what, you, what should they be scheming up? And I think a lot of it is the quick stuff, the bubble screens, the, you know, a lot of that sort of quick, the slants, the, the ball coming out quick. I mean, that's stuff that works twofold. It is a, an aid to the run game. It is an aid into getting your, your quarterback in rhythm. So and that's, this goes on to the, the question from bear Hudson, who says, what can Michigan do to improve JJ McCarthy's accuracy. Uh, I think the first thing is, is like I just said, you need to get him a couple easy ones early. And I know they want to set the tone and run the football and gosh, darn it. If no one's going to stop it, they're going to keep doing it. But I really do think uh, part of it too, is he needs to slow himself down. I mean, there's still, I'm seeing him throw ball, you know, throw balls off of his back foot and just kind of not set his feet and step into something. He just needs to play football. I think he's thinking a little bit too much, but you know, when you see a quarterback doing that, it's it's incumbent on upon you as a coaching staff to find a way to get him in a rhythm. So, in terms of how you would, again, at this point, we're eleven games in, twelve weeks into the season. They've had a full fall camp. At this point, unless there's some big bag of tricks coming next week, this kind of is is what they are. So, based on what you've seen, Ryan, how can they? You know, no one's asking for the passing game to lead the way, but how do they improve on what they they want to do or what they have been doing? Well, today I think was a little bit of an outlier if you really consider what McCarthy's volume of work has been this season. McCarthy was at one point the most efficient quarterback in the NCAA, if I'm not mistaken, highest completion percentage at least, and he held that title, I want to say, up until like week eight, week nine, something like that. And It's not like he fell too far. His accuracy hasn't been terrible. His downfield accuracy has been inconsistent. But like today, I thought that there were so many times that, all right, we're going to get some momentum. We're starting to feel it out. And then one specific route, I remember, I can't remember who ran it, but it was a zag route where they come in and then dip back out and hits a guy right on the numbers and up drop. And those type of things, I feel like, are definitely interrupting the flow and his rhythm uh, of where he, what he wants to do. And I think that one, getting him some easy reads is helping him. But two, I think receivers just got to step up and make some plays. He's got to feel confident because we're not getting separation that we've got guys that can make contested catches. And that's something that we're not just do, just not doing right now. There's not enough separation to where there's going to be guys running wide open down the field and he's hitting them. They're going to have to make catches with guys draped on them, guys with their arms on them. There were some times where Illinois may have been early, I thought, today that wasn't called. But if that's the case down in Columbus, you got to play through it. And that's something that we have not seen our receiving core and I mean, Schoon was doing it at tight end, uh, but as a whole, the team does not do well making contested catches, uh, a la we have to throw the fade to Donovan Edwards at Rutgers because he's the one who can make a contested catch as opposed to our receivers. So um, I think that McCarthy's accuracy isn't terrible. That's not where we should be focusing our attention. It's the receivers, one, getting open and two, making the contested catches to make him right. Absolutely. Uh, we're going to take this super chat here from Jeremy for four ninety nine. Thank you, Jeremy, for that. So it's not a passing question. It kind of is. He's asking about JJ McCarthy, but uh, no, does JJ McCarthy have the option to run on the RPO? He seemed to hand it off every time when he had wide open grass to hold, uh, he to hold and he could have handed it off. Um, I don't think those plays that everyone thinks are RPOs or, or the option runs. I don't think those are, if if at this point in the season he's still not seeing that, I don't think that's what the the play call is. I think it might be designed to look like that, but uh, yeah, he hasn't. I mean, they've if it's a if it's a bait for next week or, or beyond. I mean, they've they've got everyone fooled because he just doesn't keep on that play. So, uh, what do you see, Ryan, when when they do that? I think it's a great question because I was bothered by this too today. Was that? I think they're taking the ability to read this out of JJ's hands. I think that they're making a call pre-snap or the play call is a R. There's no P, there's no O in, in our play call. <laughs> He's well, because the, 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 the other thing is we're missing the passing option out of all that stuff. There's a whole 
chapter of a playbook that is all right not only am i reading the end but i'm reading the coverage because i might have a bubble i might have a slant and that's been in the the repertoire years previous but it's not there this year and i think that's something you're talking about jj overthinking it well if there's a coach that's not giving him an opportunity to read to truly read what's going on then he's not going to feel confident you're taking confidence away from him because this is a basic that's a high school uh high school read people do this all the time at the high school level and to call it in and say hey you're giving this no matter what to me that's kind of like well why don't they trust me to to run this with with all the bells and whistles on it so uh i I think that they are pre-calling it and i think that it's definitely limiting our offense and maybe impacting jj's confidence uh in what he's doing read read wise yeah, if there's a week to when people talk about unleashing JJ McCarthy, I think it's less about having him throw the ball 40 times a game and more about letting this dude run, letting your stallion out there and run. So, yeah, we'll see what happens with that. Again, if it was a play they're calling and he's just missing it every single time, guess what? They're not calling that play anymore. So, that's we'll see what happens there. Might be some trickery afoot heading into next week, but, um, Hopefully we didn't give any away any state secrets to the Buckeye coaches that are watching right now instead of coaching the game that they're playing. Uh, let's go to one from Seth Scott. Came in about 10 minutes ago. He says, uh, is the depth on defense good enough to beat Ohio State if the starters are, are not back? Can this offense win against Ohio State? Uh, I'll start with the offense, and I'll, I'll defer to the defense. Uh, I'll defer to you for the defense, Ryan. I still think this offense can beat Ohio State, especially if you're able to control the line of scrimmage and – you know, Donovan Edwards is back next. Like that's, that's the biggest thing. When we talk about pass game concerns, namely over the last two weeks, it's that guy not being out there that I think has a big impact too, because he changes. He's a chess piece. He demands attention. He takes defenders with him. That is a guy that uh, is sorely needed in next week's game, whether Blake Quorum plays or not. But in terms of the depth on the defensive side of the ball, again, we're, working under the assumption that everyone will play next week, but just in case they don't, how do you feel about that, Ryan? At least with the guys that were not there today. We need Mike Morris back. Mike Morris is a game-changing player in in the game, of, especially when it holds the significance that it holds this particular year. Mike Morris needs to be active and healthy and impacting C.J. Stroud. We saw last year what Aiden Hutchinson, I mean, as a former defensive lineman, I struggle to think that we can be – the the impact player that can shut an offense down at our position it's it's not something that happens very often or or hardly ever and Aiden Hutchinson I think had 13 pressures against Ohio State last year solo uh Mike Morris can have that impact on CJ Stroud and make him stress and if we don't have Mike Morris I am going to be a little more concerned about how we do defensively um our offense, I think we can win against Ohio State. I think Illinois is better than Ohio State defensively. That's my personal opinion. I think Ohio State's defense has been overhyped. They have not played anyone to show me that this is an elite defense. And I think that they have not seen Michigan in the way we run the football. And I don't see them standing up to it. But in order to do that, Corum needs to be healthy. Edwards needs to be healthy. And they need to be uh, – you know, more than serviceable. They need to be at the top of their game in order for us to be consistent. But uh, our offense needs to be able to run the ball because the more possessions Ohio State has, the better the odds go in their favor. So um, I think our offense can win against Ohio. I think our defense needs to keep them on the field as much as they can and uh, not let Ohio State you know, get those big, big plays that they're looking for. Absolutely. And when you go back and you look at the formula of last year's game, uh, just going through, you know, the balance of run pass and what it was. I'm trying to pull it up live, but of course I wasn't prepared to do that. Uh, Cade McNamara only threw the ball 19 times in that game. He was 13 for 19, 159 yards, no touchdowns. He had an interception, but, you know, you were able to run the ball for almost 300 yards on that team and you kept him off the field and the defense kept those guys in front of them. Ohio State's going to, you know, don't be alarmed next week when Ohio State moves the football on Michigan because, that's what elite offenses do against even the best defenses in the country. It's situational stuff. It's getting off the field on third down. It's forcing field goal attempts. It's turning them over somewhere. Uh, uh, This formula can work next year. I mean, Michigan's leading receiver in last year's game had two catches, and that was from four guys that that, uh, they each had two catches apiece. But 
They hit on a 31-yard pass play. They hit on a 37-yard pass play. They hit on a 34-yard pass play. It's it's about cashing in on the opportunities that you have. So that's the long and the short of uh, of where that is at. Uh, Devin Smith, 499 Super Chat, says, Heard early on A.J. Henning would be best used in a Debo Samuel role. Is he no longer part of the offense? Any concern with play calling for next week? Well, he didn't suit up today. Didn't play. Uh, normally would be back there returning punts. There was no wrinkle to add with him this week because he was not healthy enough to go. So, again, I, I think that, you know, clearly that, first of all, Debo Samuel is, I think he's six foot tall and 220 pounds, whereas, and all of that's in his lower body, by the way. He has tree trunks for legs. A.J. Henning is like a five foot 10, 170 pound guy, maybe five nine, whatever it is. I mean, he's more of a gadget guy than that. I think the idea is that he was hopefully going to be a versatile offensive piece and still could be. I mean, another guy who had a big play in that Ohio State game uh, scored one of the touchdowns. It was the the 14-yard reverse. Yeah, uh, I, I would assume if he's healthy, they'll have some wrinkles for him next week. And, and are there concerns with play calling? Kind of, because that's what's been put on film for 11 weeks. But something that I'm always, that I'm always confident about is that even the year that Michigan had John O'Corn at quarterback, Jim Harbaugh and his coaching staff coached their asses off and had a phenomenal game plan. So again, it's just going to, to me, my early read, it's going to come down to those five or six plays that define every single football game. Yeah. I think AJ Henning, as much as he can impact a game is more assigned to the, the return game. If he's healthy, I don't know what he brings in the offensive schematics of running reverses and rounds to him that a Roman Wilson doesn't bring a Donovan Edwards doesn't bring. So I just don't know that there's enough touches out there to get him more involved. Do I think he could make an impact on a game? Yeah, absolutely. But I don't know that he's doing anything that's too much more special than what some of the other guys that are out there can do. The other thing is I feel like if he's in, it's almost a tell, like he's going to be involved. If you want to use him as a distraction, then even better. But, um, yeah, I don't see him being any type of a Debo Samuel role. To be honest, I thought that they were going to use Edwards, and we'll see depending on if he's healthy. But I see Debo Samuel as the receiver that plays running back, and I think that Blake or uh, Donovan Edwards is the opposite. He's the running back that can play receiver. And I think he's uh, probably going to be drooled over with regards to the NFL scouts because of his versatility. And, you know, hopefully, fingers crossed, he's 100% ready to go because he's going to create some big matchup problems, I think, against Ohio State for us. And who knows? You might see him, if they're healthy, in a package with Blake Corum. I've always wanted to see more of that package of having both of those guys in and uh, get the ability to you know, stretching defense thin because who are you gonna who are you gonna shut down? Uh, but we need guys healthy. Those two guys are huge for us, uh, Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards, in order to find success against Ohio State. Absolutely. And as far as AJ Heading goes, I mean, a lot of what he can do just goes back to the pre-snap motion and and seeing what defenders travel with him. And you know, it's kind of like maybe he doesn't get the the offensive touches, but he can sort of be a you know a matchup guy that helps you see what you have there. So. We'll see if he's back next week. Uh, certainly, there are some wrinkles you can use with him, as we saw in last year's game. Uh, I want to go to one from Dave Mays, who says, we've already kind of talked about it, but how would you grade the Michigan defense today? No sacks, gave up, he says, 14 yards. He means 140. 140 yards and two touchdowns to Chase Brown. Defensive performance, I mean, if I had to grade it, probably give it a, uh, I mean, is it fair to call it their worst defensive effort of the season? I, I don't know how to grade it, Ryan. I'd probably give him a B. Uh, the reason I'd say I'd give him a B is because this guy, uh, Brown, is a special back. Brown was going to get, and we were going to allow him to get 100 yards, 120 yards, no matter what, because of the amount of touches that he's going to get, and you want to keep him in front of you. I'd say something that was a little bit disheartening is that he had some bigger run plays that kind of broke where there were bad tackles, missed tackles, and that's never good. And then the no, the no generation of turnovers and the no pressures, no sacks is a bad mark against your defense. But again, the way Illinois executed their offense made it very difficult to get pressure in, in sacks, and you know there wasn't really much of a risk they weren't risking the football for turnover. So I'd give the Michigan defense a B and that B, I think if you were to go across a report card over 11 weeks might be the lowest grade they have on their report card. Uh, but that being said, even on our worst day, we're at least a good defense. That's a positive. Yeah. And if you're saying your worst day at the office is the day where you only give up 17 points and it really was just one bad quarter. Uh, the two runs from, from chase Brown, 
think part of that is the fact that they didn't have their best day of the office. And also Chase Brown's a phenomenal player too. Uh, not as good as Blake Corum. Probably there are some that seem to suggest, I, I, I think today probably proved he's a little more valuable to his team than Blake Corum is just in terms of how Michigan was able to fight back from that. But on any day where you can hold an opponent to 17 points and five of 13 on third down and over to the, you got off the field in some of those big moments Again, not your great greatest stay at the office, but still found a way to make enough plays to win that football game. Mind you, we haven't even really talked about this, is that Michigan goes, you know, Michigan's down, uh, I'm sorry, Michigan is down 17 to 13. Jim Harbaugh, you know, they they have the, the, the JJ misses really on two consecutive throws to Colston Loveland. And, you know, you have a decision to make there and they kick a field goal. And basically what, you know, they make, they kick a field goal to make it 17, 16. And basically the message is, Hey, listen, like defense, we, we know that Jake Moody, we think that Jake Moody can, can make this, you know, get us some points here. We need you to go win us a football game. And when push came to shove and the chips were down, Michigan's defense made enough plays and, you know, I tweeted it, and I'm sure that some person will go back and, and look at this game, or, and maybe they even pull the tweet next week where I said, you know, I have zero qualms about saying right now that I think that Jesse Minter is the best defensive coordinator Michigan's had under Jim Harbaugh. Today, I mean, there were some struggles today. I don't, again, but at, at the end of the day, enough adjustments were made. Enough guys stepped up and made plays at the end. Uh, one of those fourth down stops, or maybe it was a third down stop, you had both Mason Graham and Kenneth Grant on the field. Two true freshmen uh, cannot speak enough to the job that Jesse Minter has done, the job that that coaching staff is doing with those guys. So, um, yeah, I think C plus, B minus, B, whatever you want to call it, still got the job done. Those grades mean nothing. The only thing, the only letter that matters is the W, the win, right? So uh, we have time for a couple more here. Let's go to... Shadyville, just with a quick comment in here, says, does anyone else smile seeing the Miami offense struggle? <laughs> sure, I'll give you that. I'll smile a little bit here. Uh, St. Thomas ha- wants to know, how do you assess the development of Andre Anthony? And I think that a wide receiver, it goes beyond him, but I think when you see him drop a deep ball at Rutgers and miss a touchdown pass in this game, uh, today against Illinois, I think you kind of see why he's not this wide receiver. This, I mean, some people said he could be Braylon Edwards this year uh, if he's you know is able to develop. I think we're we're seeing a guy who is still just not quite there yet. Um, and I think it's fair to have the conversation too. I know Ron Bellamy is kind of michigan royalty and and local royalty for what he did at west bloomfield and i think he did a really good job with the safeties last year i am definitely a bit underwhelmed by i thought that that wide receiver room would benefit from having a more direct hands-on guy because talking about miami and josh gaddis josh gaddis coached them last year but again it's another thing where you have eggs in so many different baskets i thought that more tailored focused one-on-one coaching and development would kind of help those guys unlock but I have to call a spade a spade. I think it has regressed a little bit. So it's, I'm not going to put it all on Andre Anthony. I think those guys in general have taken a step back. Ronnie Bell, Cornelius Johnson, those guys are seniors included in that. I agree with you. I think that that position group, and then I think at the quarterback position, I don't know that JJ McCarthy, how much better has he gotten since stepping foot on the University of Michigan's campus? I don't know anyone that would sit here and argue against us that he's gotten worlds better than what he came to us out of high school. And as much as we are spoiled and have such a great team and we're 11 and 0, you have to look and identify for where are our gaps and our gaps to me are the development of the receiver room and the development of the quarterback room. I don't know the name of the coordinator, but I was watching last week and as the, uh, you know, ever thirsting for better, that's just how I am. I'm watching Washington and the OC that went from Indiana with Mike Hart and Nick Sheridan, their quarterback coach, go to Washington with Michael Penix and look at them play. Watch them play. And where was Penix at when he came out of high school? Was he a five-star recruit out of a program that was winning national or competing nationally? No. And he developed to where he is now. And now that offense is, you know, a smoke show uh, against, you know, Pac-12 teams. And 
I just would argue that if you were to compete and go across different programs and look at the development of receivers and quarterbacks, Michigan is behind the eight ball compared to some other teams. And, and Andrew Anthony falls into that same category of a guy that has special abilities, great physique, and for whatever reason, he's just not developing. So, and I don't think it's his fault. Yeah, it's uh, got to be better. Player development has to be better. And it, it goes beyond this year. I mean, they've, Michigan's kind of struggled to find weapons at wide receiver for a bit now. So we'll see what happens again. Uh, it, it just, everything needs to be the best that's been all year in practice this week and film prep and focus all of those things. And that wide receiver room is, is part of it just like every other's is. So uh, question here from Marcus Dean is Blake Horm. Okay. Uh, we did address this a little bit earlier, but again, for those of you just joining uh, Jim Harbaugh spoke about it after the game, obviously we saw him jog out onto the field uh, after coming out of halftime. Uh, nothing structurally wrong. Apparently it might just be more of a pain management, pain tolerance thing. It didn't look great on on film. Uh, you don't like to see tears running down a guy's face, but I think a lot of that has to do is with just how how emotional he is about being quote you know the leader of Michigan's offense. So we'll see what happens. It's going to be I, I would suspect the last the last update we get on this publicly from Jim Harbaugh until a week from today when he suits up or if he suits up next next Saturday. Uh, we'll see what happens, but. Things will be pretty tight-lipped uh, in in Ann Arbor this week when it comes to injuries. So, uh, Ryan, any other final thoughts? I think we can probably start to wrap up here. Just final thoughts on today, uh, the response, the win, or you know, Ohio State next week. Ohio State currently, as we do this, they're winning 10-6 over Maryland. Maryland's driving. There's about five minutes left in the first half. Uh, kind of, again, uh, Passing game is in focus today. Ohio State's getting thrown on a bit today. So any thoughts on today, final thoughts today, early thoughts on next week, whatever you have. Well, I wanted to probably revisit Corum and just realizing how important he is to our team. I know we know how valuable he is, but you got to think about something that's not as attractive. And back to one of the super comments about we ran 86% on first down. Blake Corum wins us first down so often. You have no idea how much easier that makes operating on second and five and second and six. And we finally saw today what happens when you don't have Corum winning you on first down. And you know, luckily we were able to get out of there unscathed, but he's so critical to our team because second and six play sheet is so different than second and 10 play sheet. And it's something that we've been spoiled with is, you know, it, it's four yards, five yards and a cloud of dust, but Coram always gets those four and always gets those five yards. And I think in a, wintry hopefully i got my fingers crossed i want 10 degrees 50 mile an hour winds whipping that rancho cucamonga quarterback's fingers and i want to run the football down their throat between the tackles over and over and over again and we need these guys healthy because i think that michigan can do it it's going to take trevor keegan coming back because our best double team is olu and trevor keegan we need donovan edwards and blake Corum to be at least 80 percent each and i feel really good about going into columbus let me get you a weather report before we get out of here. And I'll, I'll as of now, uh, I'm on the AccuWeather app. No free ads, but that's where we're at here. Uh, 47 degrees, 49% chance of precipitation, uh, rain or snow in spots. Average winds 13 miles per hour coming out of the west. Maximum wind gusts of 31 miles per hour. So we'll see. It's going to be, it looks like at the very least, it's going to be a cloudy day. Uh, I don't know that Ohio's weather is as bipolar as Michigan's is things could change quickly, but that's where we stand today. My final thought is this, and it's in a weird way. I think that today's the way that today's game went and sort of the, the exhaling over just getting out of this one with a victory. I think this will wind up being more beneficial to this Michigan football team than it would have been if you won you know, again, you would have loved to see them win 56 to 10 and blow the barn doors off of Illinois. But the fact that they, you were given a shot, really, I mean, you were given a shot at new life today. You made, you made enough plays to earn that for yourself. It just feels like the pressure is all on Ohio state next week. You've got the most recent win in this rivalry. You have a big 10 championship that you're trying to defend. You have absolutely, I mean, I won't say nothing to lose. I mean, next week is the season 
but this is a group now that, you know, I think has played its best football in these moments where it's, you know, the, they've kind of been pushed into a corner and today was the first time you've been in a competitive game. I think now that you've been in a competitive, what I'm trying to say is that now that you've been in a competitive game, when things are inevitably tight next week, like we expect them to be, I still expect that. I mean, I've been on the air twice this week, predicting them to win. And uh, I've come this far. I'll just stick to that. But when, when push comes to shove and emphasis on pushing and shoving, it's going to be physical next week. I like the makeup of this Michigan team more than I like the makeup of Ohio state. And, and now you've, it's just another callus you've built where you've played and found a way to want a close win of close football game. So I think they are, again, we talked about last week, wanting to come out of this game with Illinois, feeling like you were as prepared as you could possibly be. Maybe in terms of, you know, you can fix the, the, you can fix execution. You can't fix grit. You can't fix response. You can't fix a culture and a mentality in a week. Uh, this team has the intangible things it needs. I think it has up front on both sides of the ball, the, the, the bodies and the chemistry it needs to win this football game against Ohio state again. And at the end of the day, you know, we'll call a spade a spade. They were a bit out coached by Brett Bielema and Illinois at times today, but I just feel like that game next week is going to bring out the best version of this football team. And Concerns are fine. The, the the chicken little sort of uh, scared things about the, the passing game or the injuries, whatever it is, this Michigan team, I think mentally heading into next week is exactly where it needs to be. So I think that's a good spot to leave it today. Uh, you can obviously leave a like on this video below, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, you can listen to the replays after the fact in our uh, podcast feed, Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you get uh, your shows. Chris Ballas and Doug Skeen will be back tomorrow at 7 p.m. right before the Michigan basketball game to give their thoughts on this game. They'll kick off Michigan-Ohio State week. We know it'll be a great show from those two guys. Uh, As always, Ryan Van Bergen, thank you so much for your time. Uh, We will talk again next week around this time, I'd have to imagine. And I just want I would love to drive back because we're going to drive back that night. Would love to drive back feeling similar to the way things felt last year. But um, thanks, everyone, for listening. I appreciate. And uh, 11 and 0 is 11 and 0. First time you've done it under Jim Harbaugh. And go get the one next week now. Thanks. We'll talk to you soon.